Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Thursday, February 1st. I'm Hannah Floor. Hundreds of protesters gathered in front of the Alaska State Capitol on Monday to call for an increase in education funding. The rally was supposed to come just before Governor Mike Dunleavy's State of the State address, which wound up delayed by a day due to poor weather. Here's what Rebecca Braun, parent of a 16-year-old, wanted to hear from the governor. If we value the next generation, we must invest in their education. That's why I, Governor Dunleavy, am introducing a bill to raise the base student allocation by $1,400. This amount begins to make up for the substantial bite inflation has taken over the last decade. The BSA has risen just half a percent since 2017. The House's Republican-led majority has so far offered a bill with a $300 increase. A parade of Democratic and independent lawmakers took the mic, each demanding a significant increase to the base student allocation. In elementary schools, teachers, school teachers' aid in the Juneau School District, Phil Butel, says he's seen the results as districts pinch pennies. Important programs that support student engagement are facing cuts, things like arts and music, cultural programs, special education, PE, and athletics. In the prosperous state of Alaska, we can do better. We can do better. We must do better. High school, senior, high school junior Carson Carley says he wants to go into engineering, architecture, or finance in college. But he says many prerequisites are no longer offered at local schools. And I'm going to have to figure out a way to do that online through a college or drive out to um, UAS or something to get that class in before I go to college because that's what I'm passionate about. And that's something that can be solved by the raising the BSA. Senate leaders said Tuesday they are in negotiations with their House counterparts on the pending education bill. Petersburg's chapter of the American Legion has grown a lot over the last year. Its leaders are reflecting on the organization's long history in town, but they're also planning for its future. And as KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports, one of their plans is to host a blowout ball for the community this weekend. When American Legion Post 14 met to discuss fundraising events for 2024, the idea of interrupting the long winter was top of mind. So they set to work on planning a party for the community. They're flying vocalist Mark Aston up from Las Vegas to sing at the event. He's a childhood friend of Tony Vinson, the vice commander of Petersburg's Post. He grew up around my family and then he moved on and started singing in Vegas. But um, he's booked pretty solid and he's hard to get. But for some reason when I called him and he was willing to fly up here. So he said, you know, everybody has Alaska on their bucket list. He said, so uh, he's excited too. In addition to giving folks some respite from the darkness and cold, Vincent says he hopes the event might help draw the community together. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's uh, split right now, <laughs> very extreme to one side or the other, but this is kind of a happy little town around this island together. So Tracy Vinson, Tony's wife, is Post-14's events chairman. She says she's grateful that the community has embraced the local chapter of the American Legion. 
And she says they wouldn't have been able to put the ball together without the support of businesses around town. I mean, everybody's just been so supportive and nice, and just you know, it just it just speaks volumes what Petersburg is about. Mm-hmm. Tracy and Tony have only been involved with the organization for a year, and they say they feel like they've found a home there. They're both veterans, and they say the American Legion has helped them uplift and connect with other vets. They're both part of a very new resurgence in American Legion activity in town. It wasn't that long ago that membership had almost completely fallen off. Garrett Kravitz is the adjutant for Post 14. He led a rejuvenation meeting last year in an attempt to get more local veterans involved, and he says it was a success. Their numbers are way up from last year. And many new members, like Tracy and Tony, have stepped up into previously unfilled leadership roles. That's neat to be able to get that dynamic group of individuals, usually less than 1% that have, that have raised their hand, and now we get to get to join together and serve the community. So it's pretty incredible. The Post has existed for at least a century. Some of its founding members were veterans of World War One. Kravitz recently put together a scrapbook of Post-14 memorabilia, Its laminated pages hold decades of Legion membership cards, some ragged at the edges and faded with age. Yeah, there's just tons of stuff in here. Articles, pictures, there's just tons and tons of irreplaceable history. But as he curates the organization's past, Kravitz is also planning out its future. He says the proceeds from the ball will fund the Post's community service projects in the coming year. There's two things that we're going to announce at the ball. So if you come, you'll kind of hear what those are. It's going to go right back into the community. He says they'll use what they make from the ticket sales to mark and restore memorials at the local cemetery. The proceeds will help them buy the markers, medallions, and flags that they arrange on the graves of veterans on Memorial Day. The American Legion's community ball will take place at the Elks Lodge on Saturday, February 3rd, starting at 7.30 p.m. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. City officials in Wrangell say they hope to collaborate with other Southeast communities to build a web page with landslide risk information. Acting Borough Manager Mason Villarma says he's already initiated the idea with Petersburg City Manager Steve Giesbrecht. Why not partner with a neighboring municipality on this? And I think that would be an efficient use of resources. And many of our citizens travel back and forth for work and sports and to Petersburg. So I think it's a good thing to pursue jointly. Falarma was in Petersburg in January when the city hosted a work session with the Sitka Sound Science Center. Researchers there helped to design an online landslide advisory dashboard in Sitka, which designates landslide risk as low, medium, or high based on weather conditions. Falarma says that system could be a model for what Wrangell creates, along with Petersburg and other communities that want to participate. Falarma says he's met with the city manager in Haines, too. Just kind of getting the ball rolling. We haven't got to meet all on the same call or anything yet, uh, but we're going to continue those conversations. And I think uh, just having us and WCA, ideally Petersburg Borough and Haynesborough, Uh, with potentially their tribal entities or local tribal entities would be a great pool of resources. Alarma says collaborating would really reduce the cost of starting up the platform. Data collection streams would still be independent and require separate equipment. Further conversations will hopefully result in some buy-in. We're likely not going to, our advisory system that we're promoting would not look uh, like SICK as explicitly. 
we probably have some nuances and probably wouldn't have the color-coded LIDAR. We'd probably just have, you know, a conditions assessment. For now, Valarma says that governments are cautious due to liability risks. More conversations are needed to see that all communities are open to sharing a platform. A Petersburg-based Finget actor is featured in the HBO crime drama True Detective. Each season, the series has a new setting, new characters, and a new mystery. As KFSK reports, this season, titled Night Country, is set in northwestern Alaska and includes some local talent. Petersburg's Shahes Diane Benson had never seen an episode of True Detective when she auditioned for the show. She says she had no idea what to expect and hadn't even read the full script when filming started. Benson plays B, who works at a crab processing plant. In the first episode, she's one of the first characters on screen after opening credits, dressed in a hairnet and rain gear. But we can't play the first word out of Benson's mouth on the radio. He's not going to die. He's just too drunk to get up. Sir. 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 He's just too wasted. Benson's character has appeared in each of the first three episodes, but it's still not clear how she fits into the plot of True Detective Night Country. But Benson can't give us any clues. Her contract with HBO keeps her quiet until after the finale airs on February 18th. An HBO rep told KFSK by phone that, quote, no one has guessed the ending and we're trying really hard to protect that. Benson's first scene takes place in the processing plant. Alaska State Trooper Evangeline Navarro, played by Kylie Reese, is tending to a man lying face down on the concrete floor. His nose is bloodied and broken. She turns to B. Did you hit this man, ma'am? Asshole hit Blair. Then I hit the asshole. With a metal bucket? B is nursing her friend Blair, who has a black eye. B questions Navarro. What's your name, hon? Who's your Aka? Aka means mother in Inupiaq, the language of the indigenous people of northwestern Alaska, where the show is set. The story begins just days into what will be three months of night. It centers around eight scientists missing from a research center and the seemingly connected cold case of a murdered indigenous activist. The show explores the tension between local residents of the fictional town of Ennis and the nearby mine that is both sustaining the town economically and poisoning its water supply. There are supernatural elements that have yet to be explained. Benson says that despite not knowing what to expect story-wise when she signed on, she took the role because she likes a challenge. And she wrote in an email, quote, Anytime I get to play an indigenous character that is not a stereotype, I am interested. She said she's especially driven by the fact that there haven't been many roles for indigenous people and that indigenous characters that appear on screen are usually played by non-indigenous actors. Benson started acting in her 20s, mostly in theater. She was in 1991's White Fang, playing Grey Beaver's wife, and last year she had a bit part in Alaska Daily. It was after that role that her agent asked her to read for True Detective. While there are a handful of Alaskan actors in True Detective Night Country, the show was mostly filmed in Iceland for financial and logistical reasons. In order to make sure the setting and the characters felt true to Alaska, producers worked with an advisory council made up of five Inupiaq people from northwestern Alaska. According to an article in the New York Times, they told the show that there needed to be more laughter and more sharing of food when indigenous people were on screen. In Petersburg, I'm Hannah Floor.
True Detective Night Country airs on HBO. New episodes are available to stream on Max Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The season is six episodes long, and the finale will air February 18th, 2024. The HBO series True Detective Night Country features a fictional town in Alaska called Ennis. While most of the filming was done in Iceland, some scenes were shot around Nome. Ava White reports that producers were in touch with Nome locals to get insights and feedback for the show. Marjorie Tabone is one of five people on the Inupiaq Advisory Council, which was the team working with the show. She says the producer's goal was to, quote, make the show about a place like Nome. So they just wanted people who were from up here to help advise the writing and get the whole process. Tabone says the board reviewed the scripts and shared their concerns with writers about scenes and lines that seemed inaccurate or questionable. And one of those changes was featured in the first episode. But there is a scene in there where the caribou, in the original script, it was elk. And then we're like, we have no elk in Alaska, let alone up in the Arctic. She says the council encouraged producers to include Inupiaq words and learn about the meaning behind traditional Alaska Native stories. Tabone says they even helped choose most of the Inupiaq names for characters in the town. The council also encouraged including trigger warnings for the show because some episodes regard the missing and murdered indigenous people epidemic. And we advise about leaving traditional parts in and taking other elements of the story out to maintain the integrity um, of the story and kind of keeping it true, um, but also kind of holding it closed. But it's kind of like not wanting to give away too much because people who aren't from our area who wasn't raised in our culture can misunderstand or just not have no clue what what being said. Tabone is also a traditional Inuit tattoo artist and helped design some of the tattoos on screen. She says the film is a melting pot of unique cultures and it includes people from other Arctic communities like Greenland and Canada. Tabone says she was glad to be part of the advisory council and to help ensure the content was as accurate and respectful as possible. She says she hopes it can pave the way for more indigenous people to work in the film industry. So it was just really cool to see the creative nature of how that works. And even going on set, like seeing how how they build the, the rooms and how they, how they make fake snow flying. The season premiered on January 14th and new episodes are released weekly. For KNOM, I'm Ava White. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.